0: Hey everyone. Before we get started, I just want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast right here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and you're not just quite sure where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so make sure you get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Make sure you check out the description box in the episode to find out more. Once again, that is bwhustle.com slash join.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the nice Streetcast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends ourselves at Rotoviz and Blue Wire Hustle. I am your host this evening, Nathan Powell, and I'm joined by my co-host. He's pretty cool on the streets, the kids say. Uh, Dan, Dan the Man. Uh, has anyone ever called you Dan the Man Sanyo?
0: I mean, my whole my whole life, uh, we're out in these streets. Uh, yeah, Dan, Dan, the man is something I I will never outlive, unfortunately.
1: Oh, are are you not a fan of Dan, the man?
0: I'm not sure if it's worse than Danny, but Dan, the man is up there.
1: Oh, well, I would say Danny boy is probably uh, worse than all all of the one all the aforementioned
0: ones. So really quick sidetrack. I know we're trying to do a, a relatively, um, not super short show, but quick show nonetheless, at work I've got somebody every time they come in or every time I see them it's an old person as you could imagine sings the oh Danny boy every single time and it I mean I see the guy like 3 or 4 times a week so it's super enjoyable I really have a good time
1: all right so before we get into that quick uh show that you mentioned we're going to be talking about some dynasty startup auction strategy and we are getting off on a tangent here but I think it's fun on the podcast and it'll be more fun even in video form. So we have a nice street castle listener league and we're nearing the end of the startup and there are rookie picks in the startup. And we didn't realize that we didn't account for the possibility that not all of the picks, it's an eight round rookie and then rookie FA draft. We, we didn't account for the possibility of not all picks being selected. So then we put it to a poll of what to do with the picks, either a in year one decide, okay, uh, the picks that don't get selected aren't, aren't used or B, uh, basically allocate the picks in snake order from the end of the startup. So if there's two rounds of picks left, you'll basically, those will be allocated two rounds left, essentially. So there was, we put it to a poll, it was tied, and how else would you uh, break a tie than with a coin flip, live on a podcast? So I'm starting my video now, and so Dan, uh, I'll let you, um, can you write down what heads and tails are on the on a piece of paper between the uh, two options
0: I certainly uh certainly can All right uh you sir can go ahead and flip Okay
1: this is an American dime for those listening on the podcast an American dime Okay it has a head it has a tail American Dime. Similar I to me, actually.
0: A head and a tail. Okay, there we go.
1: <laughs> All right. And I'm going to flip, and if I catch it, I'll flip it back on the side. If not, we'll see how it goes.
0: Oh, no. We're counting on Nathan's catching ability.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> no! Has no one... All right. So, no, just...
1: no, 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 We're going to do it. One more time.
0: <laughs> Has Sorry. anyone ready? taught you how to flip a coin? What is this? Okay,
1: ready? <laughs> All right. The answer is heads.
0: Uh, allocate, allocate.
1: Allocate is the answer.
0: Oh. I'll send this
1: video off. Oh, <laughs> send this video off to uh, the trade cast listeners, and I'm sure they're going to like hearing this a second time. Just
0: like for this
1: a time.
0: just for reference, my first pick that I get allocated, I am going to let sit, expire, and then tell you I don't want it, and then you can put me on auto pick for the rest.
1: there we go all right let's get into some startup auction strategy folks um where are we at okay so uh we're going to start off with our dynasty startup auction strategy and when you're when you're putting together your startup draft plan you're kind of just thinking nominations that that's the the very first thing you think of and obviously there's other parts that go into that but let's start off with the basics what are you doing first couple days to nominations? Are you nominating the big fish, the Devonte Adams, the DK Metcalfs, or are you throwing a little bit of chum, a little bit of like a Ryan Tannehill or a, uh, you know, John U. Smith, like what, what's your nomination plan early on in the startup? And does it depend on what time of year it is?
0: I, I think it definitely depends on the time of year, but I also think it depends a little bit on the owners that you're with. If it's a group that you're, that you know, and you know their tendencies or players that they like, it makes it a little bit easier to kind of pick and choose. For the most part, just generally speaking, early on, I'm trying to get money off the board. So what I will do is more than likely take however many of those top guys that I just really am not a fan of, but I know market wise they're going to be expensive. I'm trying to get them on the board early. I'm trying to get them. So I'm trying to get people to to get into a bidding war spend as much as possible and in the meantime if if other people are nominating mid-tier low-tier players maybe trying to sneak somebody here or there uh you know for a buck while everyone's paying attention to the big names or thinking well i can't spend a dollar now or five dollars now if i've got you know i'm thinking about players later on so it, it does it definitely depends on time of year because once things get more set in stone the later it is the more difficult it is to find value if you're doing it now i mean you can find value all over the place but yeah relatively speaking uh, early on i'm i'm trying to get big names on the board that uh, that's going to eat up some cash from other owners
1: yeah for, for me my early nomination strategy is often one of two ways if we're, you know, approaching free agency or if we're, we're approaching possible like, you know, some trade rumors, I like to get guys on the board that have news coming up or have news going around them. Because whether it's good news or bad news, if it's good news, the guy is gonna end up going overpriced because we're in the heat of the moment of what's happening. Um, Or if it's bad news, then you might be able to sneak, sneak him by with some, you know, with a cheap bid and say, oh, well, now they're, they're panicking over this little bit of news. Now that is a bit of a oversimplification because not every single player has news coming out out every, you know, every day throughout the off season. But, you know, I mean, I would say that the players that have news right now is like Deshaun Watson is a popular guy that I would, I would want to get on the board before a trade happens. Um, You know, Guys like Stafford and Goff and you know guys that were on the trade block. So I, I, at this stage of the offseason in mid February, late February, early March, I'm I'm looking at uh, the guys who are on the trade block like Watson, who still is, or other guys like that, and also pending free agents, because as you get closer to free agency, those guys will get their news coming to them.
0: Yeah. So to connect those dots uh, for everyone, just to make it a little more simple. Early is easier to force other owners to overpay and to get yourself some good deals waiting until, say, August to do an auction. It's going to be pretty flat line across the board as far as what guys are going for versus what they should be going for, what market would tell you. Um, So if you are looking for an advantage, maybe recommend to your group to to start a little earlier draft draft your veterans now and and have a rookie draft or a rookie auction when the time comes, once the NFL draft happens. But uh, generally speaking, I'm more of a fan of doing things earlier rather than later because it is easier to find an advantage in there someplace.
1: Yeah, for sure. And just talking about some more strategy in terms of nominations in Superflex, I do like to throw out those quarterbacks, um, especially those those middle-tier guys. I've talked about so often how I'm always targeting the higher-end tier and the lower-end tier. Those are the two tiers of quarterbacks I target in Superflex. Like, give me the absolute bottom of the barrel where as soon as they get a starting job, they're going to gain value. Or, you know, the Kyler Murray, the Josh Allen, those guys who pretty much their value is cemented in being you know top five, six quarterback for the next several years. And so if you put the guys who have more ambiguity in their value, the Matthew Stafford, the Matt Ryans, um, you know, even Ryan Tannehill, guys like that, those guys often get overpaid for in Superflex. And so if you can take some money away from someone's budget with that mid mid quarterback, I think that's a solid move in Superflex.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And even, even guys, you know, in like the Baker Mayfield tier, kind of that late QB one, early QB two, some people are going to overpay for the age rather than the the production. It it is a, a pretty easy and efficient way to get people to spend money. Quarterbacks are always are always going to be the you know the top dollar players when you're talking about superflex. So yeah, if you're in superflex, definitely try to get some some I would say middle slash underwhelming quarterbacks out on the board. Force people to pay for them and then maybe find yourself a good deal on a back-end QB1 or have fewer, fewer battles to try to get yourself a Patrick Mahomes or a Kyler Murray or Deshaun Watson. It, the more money you can get off the board, obviously, it's going to make it easier to get some big names and might help y- your budget and be able to get those players and something else rather than having to put 20 or 25% into one player that you really want to get.
1: Yeah, for sure. And as far as um, more, more positional talk, I will say that in this can vary year to year as, you know, we value running backs differently each year, or wide receivers differently each year, you know, as we continue in this age of like running backs are still being valued higher than wide receivers for the most part. You know, if if you are a zero RB guy, if you're a guy who's, who's valuing those wide receivers and quarterbacks and super flex way over the running backs, you know, just throw out all of them. If, if, Basically, in your mind, you should think who early, in, unless you are planning on doing an early bid strategy, which, you know, we can talk about as a viable strategy. If you're not planning on doing that, just think who is someone I don't want and is going to eat money because you just want to eat money and eat money and eat money.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of like what I mentioned earlier is putting out the the pricier guys that you're not really interested in or if it goes against your strategy you know, putting up a running back if you're planning on going zero RB or if you're going to play the late QB game, just putting up all, all big quarterbacks right away. Um, wide receiver is kind of one of those things where there's so much depth now that, I mean, it's easy to attack it kind of from any angle. So if you're a robust RB player trying to get, you know, some of the, some of the big names of wide receiver can help, but honestly, it's it's kind of hard hard to to plan around wide receiver if you're trying to fade them, I guess, because there's so many now.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like, if you you keep on throwing them out and throwing them out, throwing them out, throwing them out like, oh, geez, Cooper Cup is still here. <laughs> Robert Woods is still here. Like, you know, all these guys. So yeah, I, I do think that if you're trying to fade wide receiver, it's gonna be hard to just th- keep on throwing them out there. Um, so this kind of goes similarly to obviously that we, we kind of just framed our big fish versus, uh, you know, throwing out guys, you don't want argument. And that does kind of correlate to spending early or spending late. So I guess I'll, I'll, I'll give an argument for spending early while, while talking about it. So I do think that if you're spending early, oftentimes you are going more of the stud dud variety of, of a team. But I think that there's nothing worse in an auction Than overpaying for middle tier guys, and while there's definitely been cases of people who you know save their money and wait until late and end up getting a bunch of you know guys valued in that like twenty to fifty range, there's also that that same exact scenario playing out where you end up with like no one greater than a top fifty pick. So there is definitely a fine line when you're playing the waiting game and when you spend early there is the you know somewhat guarantee of like, okay, you're getting two or three stud assets. You're building your team around these these guys. You might not be able to fill out your fill out the middle of your roster like you would in a normal dynasty startup draft, or if you were, you know, being a middle spender or even a late spender.
0: Yeah. And it it also can depend a little bit if you're doing proxy or non proxy. I mean, you can put the shock value into a player by if it's non proxy. By just straight up putting the percentage you're trying to spend on that player thinking, you know, maybe maybe it's a 20% player. If you just go straight to like 18% of your budget for whatever player you're trying to get, a lot of times that big number scares a lot of people off and they're not going to budge on it because they're thinking, wow, I mean, he's willing to go wherever. And if they do outbid you, well, now they're spending 20% and that's a huge chunk of money off the board. So it can kind of work both ways. Obviously it's a little bit different in proxy when you don't really know what you're bidding against until kind of mid or late draft when you know where the money's allocated and what values are and all of that. So
1: Yeah, for sure. Do you think that do you think that aligns that if you're spending early you're going studs duds, if you're going late it it's more of a depth piece or is there is there a way to wait but also do studs and duds or is there a way to spend early but also get that depth
0: i mean it, it, it really depends on how your league is nominating if everyone's nominating studs yeah i mean you're kind of you're, your hands kind of forced to either go super depth or studs and duds if everyone's if you're nominating an assortment it's a lot easier to kind of find values and and really build a drafted type team rather than a studs and duds. You can find balance there by kind of playing the field and, and not overreacting to a price on one player and and making sure you're on top of everything. So I, I don't necessarily think your, your hand is forced unless the nominations are, I mean, if you're just going in line, like how you would draft, you're kind of stuck, but I definitely think there's ways around pretty much anything, as long as you're on top of it and, and paying attention to what's happening.
1: Now, let's let's talk one opinion league-based thing, and it's the trading of startup dollars. Um, as a commissioner who has commissioned many startup auction leagues, I personally don't like the allowing of trading of startup dollars. I think that people can often use trading of startup dollars as a crutch, and they'll say, and basically if you aren't allowed to trade startup dollars that puts your feet to the fire. Okay. Do you actually want to spend on this player? And yes, you can trade for a player in other ways other than trading for startup dollars. But I think that when you allow trading for tr- trading of startup dollars, you can just say, Oh, like, you know, Jim can trade Larry, you know, $78 because Watson, you know, had Watson was only one for 76. Like, yes, uh, there's clearly one each side is, you know, getting what they want in that scenario. but, I think that when you don't have that to rely on, you go out and get your guys more often, which is that's, that's what I, I start up. That's what I want. I want people to spend their money. I want people to say, that's the guy I want and not say, Oh, like I might trade for that guy with startup money later.
0: For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not a, I guess I'm not a huge proponent of it either direction. I think it's fine to have, I guess, to be completely honest, it, I don't really understand the need to have it aside from, oh, I was busy and I would have bid this much on Kyler Murray. So how about I just go trade for him and give somebody an extra five startup dollars or something or going out and using your startup dollars to buy first or whatever it happens to be. I, I just think it's it's more fun to, to just have the auction and then on the other side of it, when you're doing a draft, obviously there's tons of trading in, in startup drafts. And I think that's part of the fun. I just think it's kind of unnecessary in an auction.
1: Okay, it's interesting because I I believe you got mad at me uh, during the Rotoviz Dynasty Gas Startup when I said startup dollars were not tradable. <laughs> so maybe your your tune has changed over the last couple of years.
0: <laughs> no, I just do that because I like to be fake mad anytime you make a a decision on something. <laughs> <laughs> <There you laughs> in hopes <go. laughs> in hopes we start an uprising.
1: Uh, all right. And then so we talked about trading a startup dollars. Now another uh leak format thing is uh, rookie money and how that's handled. Um, I advocate for, you know, similar similarly but not the same in start- startups, I like r- rookie slots. But I think that in auctions, I think rookie picks are the way to go. You know, if you have three rounds of picks, which are in most startup auctions are rookie auctions as well. So each pick one, 101 through 312 has its own value. And that player is bid on just like Kyler Murray is just like Josh Allen is. And really the only alt- real alternative to this in the startup auction format is allocating rookie money. So you say, okay, there are you know $4,000 of, of rookie money each year, and then you divide that evenly among the 12 for the startup year, which is kind of similar to the rookie slot version of this. But I do think that that's kind of, kind of a cop out with just saying, okay, everyone just starts off with the same amount of rookie money.
0: Yeah, I would rather have either the players or just the physical picks in. You could do just the reboot of of having all of everyone have the same amount of money. I I don't find that as fun. That's that to me is is would be bidding on uh, a the series of picks. You get the one hundred one, the two hundred one, the three hundred one, the four hundred one. I would rather be bidding on the player or the, or the each individual pick. And honestly, I don't think there's really much that needs to be argued on that. I, I just I feel like getting the player or the pick is. I, I I don't even know what to say. Like, it, it just seems so obvious that that's what you would want to do in, in a startup auction is players or just the actual pick that you're getting all of the value out of it rather than buying a package or, or giving everyone the same amount. And then it's just going to go down the line. Whoever wants to spend the most money on the best player and then the next best player, there isn't any strategy involved in that.
1: Yeah. And I, I will say, as far as the you know rookie players in the startup, I actually, if were to pick between the two, I think I would I prefer rookies in the startup in auction than in draft because I do advocate for in all formats the more drafts the better. But I feel like if you're in a July startup auction or if you're in an August startup auction, there's no real need to separate the two, especially in auction because it's basically an extension. Of the other draft, so um, I I think that I still would prefer, you know, a second one. But I, if you're going to talk, talk between the two, a rookie, a you know, startup draft, startup auction, I would prefer to do, uh, you know, the rookie draft, rookie auction in both. But definitely, I think it's more necessary in the rookie draft. But for that sure. might just be preference.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm with, I'm on board with that for sure.
1: All right, so it's been little bit of a uh quick show here but we're gonna get into the box score scout shortly um any other startup auction stuff that you think we should hit before we head out
0: no i think we hit on most of on most of the important stuff what i will say for anyone that maybe hasn't done an auction or or is very limited in their experience with it don't go in with a, a super set plan don't don't draw up a budget on you can only spend this much on this QB or this much on this player or this much on this, on this position, you can have a rough outline, but you need to be able to be malleable. You you need to work with what's being given. The prices aren't going to be, you know, expected there. A lot of times there's, there's players and, and owners that do things crazy. Um, so just just be ready for it. Sometimes it, it involves some some zigging while people are zagging. And it honestly just as long as you're on your toes, you're paying attention to your auction, it it's really easy to find good values and good players in different spots. You just have to be ready for it and try not to get stuck in like a FOMO position where you're like, oh my God, if I if I don't get Deshaun Watson right now, I won't have uh, a top 10 quarterback ever because I just won't have the budget for it or I won't be able to get this player that player just roll with the punches take what the auction gives you and if you need to be aggressive in certain spots be aggressive if you need to kind of do the bait and switch on some people here and there um, have fun with that and you know I'm I'm old school in that when it's red it's dead so if you <laughs> redline me I'm gonna find you I'm gonna find you I'm a kneecap you, yeah. all right? <laughs>
1: all righty. Yeah, I will wrap up one thing. I do think that with the Dynasty Startup Auction, it is, the in comparison to the draft format, it's the one way for you to build your own team. Like your draft, draft yes, there's trades and drafts and things like that, but it's still you're kind of taking what's given to you. Whereas in a Dynasty Startup Auction, you're taking what you want. There's nothing that's given to you. You, you If you don't do anything, you end up with zero players. So you're going to have to go out and get the guys that you want. It's not like you're going to, oh, this guy is worth this ADP, so I'm going to have to get this guy. So uh, I, I think from, and we talk about this all the time, skill versus luck or, and all those things. I do think that auction is definitely a much more skillful format.
0: For sure. Yeah, it, it definitely takes more skill um more time commitment for sure Uh, you need to pay attention for the length and and the entirety of whatever the auction is however much time is on the clock uh, it's it can be it can be work it genuinely can but that's kind of what makes it fun auctions probably are for more more intense fantasy football players but even even the regular joe can have a whole heck of a lot of fun playing an auction What's up, Rotovis listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotovis of Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotovis Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening into to another Rotovis Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotovis of NFL pass right now at Rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotovis website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business as always we do appreciate you listening to each and every show and if you do have 5 10 15 seconds to spare please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app it is much appreciated with all that said thank you once again for tuning in i hope you have a great day now let's get back to the show
1: Alrighty, that should wrap up our startup auction time and let's get into our box score scout i forgot what we called this it was a really bad name the last time we did it but box score scout oh box score scout simulation
0: <laughs> it's, it's time not for the better box,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the box score scout simulation so last time we did running back and wide receiver uh this time i have a quarterback and dan has tight end i will say this time i i think that Last time we included draft pick in our explanation. I think we should do first an explanation without the draft pick uh, projection, and then we can add that af- that detail afterwards once we, because we're gonna get it wrong. Let's face it. Um, but yeah, so we'll try that first. So I'm gonna give the information, and then you will give your guess. So I have uh, a height of 77 inches, a weight of 240 pounds. And sim scores. Uh, oh, and for those that don't know, uh, the Rotoviz Score app uh, basically it rates how similar a prospect is to a player on a scale of one to 100, uh, 100 being the highest. So the similarity scores for this quarterback are 77 Ryan Mallett, 71 Mason Rudolph, 45 Nick Foles, and 43 Nate Sudfeld.
0: What were? What was the size again?
1: Six five two forty. Six
0: five two forty. God, I don't even know who's. Is Trey Lance that big? Is it Trey Lance? No. Uh. Maybe Zach Wilson's that big. Is this like a? Um, is this like an obscure? It, it's
1: not. Um, I will give you the next thing. My projected draft position for this player uh, from just reading mock drafts and stuff, and I might be shooting low here, 64.
0: Oh, God. Uh, (laughs) I don't don't even know if I... Is there any, like, hints or clues I can get? SEC. SEC. Is it georgia quarterback coming out is nope. that who that... i nathan i <laughs> i'm at a loss here i i didn't know man, you were going to be going obscure
1: i is not obscure at all uh the man with comps to ryan mount 77 mason rudolph 71 nick Foles 45 is one kyle trask
0: oh yeah i wasn't even thinking a little bit that direction i think he's going before that to be completely honest with you
1: yeah i, I thought so too but
0: I think he might go pretty close to wherever Mac Jones goes, which is crazy, but...
1: I mean, I don't I don't even like Mac Jones, but if he goes the same way as Mac Jones, that's bad. All
0: right. It wasn't too far off. I mean, Trey Lance and Zach Wilson are both kind of in that ballpark. But yeah, Kyle Trask is a monster of a human being.
1: Yep, but also... Talk about six five two forty 240, fits the mold of Ryan Mallett, Mason Rudolph, Nick Foles, all these giant quarterbacks who don't know what to do with their bodies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the... Uh, yeah, that's kind of the, the Trask MO. Okay, my player uh, for the box score scout, the sim score. Uh, let's see here. So, projected draft pick, I went probably low, but... Also, I think it's probably closer to accurate than not. And again, I have tight ends. Um, so I'm with a draft pick of 100 just to send a, ni- a nice, even benchmark. Weight of 245. And a projected 40 time of 484. Some believe he can go faster, but 484. So he doesn't have anyone very close in his sim score. His closest is an 88. And then an 80. No, eight,
1: 88, 88 and eighty are high. Uh,
0: but you normally have like ninety-fives and ninety-sixes for most prospects.
1: I mean, Kyle Trask didn't have any, any above eighty, but I, okay, I'm oh okay.
0: Well here. then, yeah, all right. Kyle Trask is a freak. Um so the one recognizable name that's nearby would be a sim score of 79, and that'd be Tyler Conklin, a sim score of 78, <laughs> a sim score of 78 in Gavin Escobar, and then we start to get a slight amount better than those guys with a sim score of 63, Zach Ertz, which I know will help you a lot because 63 is super, super easy to draw lines in between. So, Nathan, do you have any guesses as to this tight end that is a monstrous human projected 48440, potentially could go in the high four sevens?
1: As we know, um, I I grind tight end tape between October <laughs> to February nonstop. So I, I have extensive knowledge of all of the entire tight end class, but I do have a lower guy in my head that I think might fit the mold. And if there's any tape guys that are saying how wrong I am, feel free to let me know. But I am thinking I'm, I'm thinking in the sec Nope, nope, I'm not thinking the SEC. Well, my SEC guess would have been Kenny Uboa.
0: It's not Kenny Okay, Let's go ACC, and let's say the draft pick is closer to the 70 range.
1: Okay, well, in the ACC, there would only be one. And so uh, I have a, a college football article during the season, and I am very much a box score scout for that article. (laughs) <laughs> and I think this is going to be a guy who showed up in my box score scouting a lot through the 2021 season or 2020 season. And because he was a high producing tight end, even though tight ends don't produce in college. So the answer is 100 long.
0: No, no. <laughs> is it Brevin Jordan? It is, in fact, Miami. Miami's own. He's not that There's Trevin no way he's that slow. Jordan. There's no way. Yeah, like four seven nine. He's a monster, dude. This. That's what they. That's well, what all of like his. 34. Yeah, well, that's what was my guess. He's a. He's gonna get bigger. He's not gonna get faster. Um. Yeah. So, 2020 had 38 catches for 576 and seven over eight games. So yeah, the dude produced. Um, I think he's probably going to go a little higher than I originally projected. I also struggle with valuing tight ends that way. Um, you could see maybe a little bit of like some John U. Smith in there, I guess. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, think, uh, I think Brevin was, was a big, he was a big Debbie guy though, right? He was highly sought after for a while. Yeah, for sure. So interesting couple players there. Uh, we get Trask a couple of Florida guys get Trask and then we get Miami's Brevin Jordan. Uh, I think this might end up being a staple on on the show getting the the Box score of Scouts. I think it's fun to try to draw some similarities without getting too many hints and and finding finding some obscure ones once we get closer to rookie season it'll be a little more fun because i'll actually know who half the people are i know kyle traskett but uh, i'll know more about each player and it'll be a little more difficult then
1: all righty so that should wrap up an electric edition of the nice trade cast we had a coin flip we had nice startup boxing strategy and we wrapped up with the box score scouts thanks so much for listening guys and we'll talk to you guys next week. Kadoosh!